On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Greg Matson. Now, despite recent events, we are contractually obligated to talk baseball here from 8 to 9 o'clock on a Thursday night when there is no play-by-play. I wish I had better news to share. Welcome in. It is Brewers Weekly. Nonetheless, we are going to have some fun on the program tonight. As I mentioned, recent events regarding baseball are not pleasant to talk about, but I think it's fair to get an update. And if you've been following everything going on in baseball, and it's been a lot because it's all the back and forth. It's one entity throwing the other under the bus, and it's just sort of on spin cycle as the players and the league go back and forth in Florida for a week and a half and come away with incremental progress, but no deal. So here we are looking at at least the first week of the regular season being canceled. Who knows when opening day will be? The earliest it could be in Milwaukee is April 14th. So the guy covering it and really doing a lion's share of the work, he's been all over the story. We had him on a couple of weeks ago. Jesse Rogers from ESPN is going to join us coming up at about 8.15. And he's got some updates that... It may lead us to believe something is coming here by mid-March. At least that's his belief. So I, I want to know what gives him that level of confidence that a deal will be in place by middle of the month. And, you know, maybe then you're looking at you know, the season beginning somewhere around the middle to end of April, perhaps. We'll see how that goes. It's really up to baseball and the players to get that all ironed out before we can put a firm date on it. But it is... Not a pleasant taste in the mouth to turn the calendar to March and not have any baseball to talk about in terms of movement and how the roster is shaping up. And, you know, the early headliners out of spring training. Now now it's all about the minor leaguers and Prospect Watch 2022 because it's only minor leaguers hanging out in Arizona right now. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us in the program tonight. Also coming up about halfway through the program. We did not get to this last week. And I'm very eager to get to it, and I will need your help. I'm trying to figure out the best way to do this, but I want to see if we, you, me, everybody, the person listening in the background, the person looking over your shoulder right now, watching you scroll away on your phone as you listen on the WTMJ mobile app, I want to see if we can put together an all-time Brewers lineup. And I'll go back through the history as to why we're talking about this uh, as we get a little closer to the actual segment, but I'm thinking about 8.30 tonight. We'll dip into that, but I'm going to need your help. I'm going to call on you to provide you with two names that have to be on the list, on the roster. And if those names are taken, by the time the next caller calls in, you better come up with two different names. We'll see if we can do that that way. We'll we'll get it figured out. 855-616-1620. I also want to do a little pulse check here. So even mentioning the word baseball, like what's the first word that comes to your mind? I mentioned baseball. Is there an emotion? Is there a feeling? Is there a word that you're associating with anything and everything baseball in its current state? Are you feeling that sense of apathy or like, you know, wake me when it's over? I don't even want to deal with this. Tell me when a deal's in place. Tell me the highlights. Paint me a picture of what baseball is going to look like, and let's move on. Or are you so beyond apathetic? That you're just angry and frustrated that they can't play in the sandbox nice together. That three months plus of a lockout all boiled down to a week and a half in Florida. And that nothing could get done leading up to the events of this week. For whatever reason, right? 
disastrous to cancel games. Yet, Major League Baseball and the Players Union really didn't seriously begin discussions until about a week and a half ago. And, and that's kind of where I'm at in the whole thing. Look, I'm in for baseball. And if you're listening to this program, you probably enjoy Brewers baseball. Some, perhaps even season ticket holders. Some were maybe camped out at the Arctic tailgate event last week, Friday, an event that I took part in. Some of you might just go to a game here and there. But Brewers baseball is a part of the fabric of summer and our lives. And what we do on WTMJ, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Bob Eucher on the radio, it takes us all back to a time and a place. Those are the powerful feelings and experiences that are in danger of being lost. And we've already lost a handful of games. I wonder how many fans are lost as well. How many people are asking for a refund of their season tickets? If you're a lifer in baseball, you will likely be back. And this is probably frustrating you and angered you at some level, but you're probably not gone for good. The fans baseball is trying to attract, the the marginal sports fans, the, the ones who are maybe leaning a little more toward the NFL or the NBA or college basketball, who knows, and might check out a game here and there, but it's uh, whatever. It's just it's it's on the periphery. It's a thing. We have a team in our state. I occasionally go to the game, but I'm not totally in. And then there's a younger group of fans. Doesn't quite have disposable income yet, but is developing. Fans that you're trying to convert. You want baseball to be their number one. Those are the fans that baseball is unable to attract because of the actual game. Now you throw in a lockout. And a cancellation of the start of the regular season, I wonder if baseball will ever find a way to lure those fans in. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to chime in on the Iconet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also send me a tweet. Hit me up at GMatzik on Twitter. We'll get to you some of your responses coming up later in the program. Just one word to describe the situation in baseball. How you're feeling. Your thoughts, whatever. I just sort of a pulse check here as we all work through a challenging week. Coming up next, Jesse Rogers of ESPN is going to join us here on the program. He has the latest. He is also feeling a sense of optimism. If you've been following Jesse's work, and I highly encourage you to do so, he has been all over this, was in Florida every step of the way, had the inside scoop on what was going on with the meetings, and has a little info about a meeting that took place today in New York. We will get the latest from Jesse coming up right on the other side. Hang with us. It's a Thursday night, Brewers Weekly. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Greg Matz again for Matt Pauley. Greg Hill in for Greg Hill producing the program tonight. Greg, do you follow Christian Yelich on Twitter? Uh, I do. So uh, Christian Yelich, he has a very dry sense of humor. For those of you that know Yelich, he's pretty understated, but he's got a dry sense of humor. So when the news came out that the first week of the regular season was canceled, so this is on Tuesday. Uh, Yellich tried to spin positive. He took to Twitter saying, all right, positivity and sunshine thread starts here. Saw a cool dog carrying a stick this morning. Who's next? And he's, he's got about a, a thousand responses, and, and it's all over the board, right? That was the night that uh, Wisconsin earned that win over Purdue. So there's some you know Badger stuff in there. There's, you know, Pictures and videos of people's kids playing baseball. There's you know cute animal pictures and you know it's got a lot of traction, which is kind of cool. Uh, 
I, I would say minutes after Yelly sent that that uh, that tweet out, the positivities and sunshine thread, he sent up a follow up. And uh, it's not really easy to tell where he's at in the picture, but the caption does all the talking. Kristen Yelich, the second tweet, the subsequent tweet in this very short thread says, forgot I had to go to the DMV today. Positivity thread is canceled. So there we are. (laughs) What a segue into our good friend Jesse Rogers. He covers baseball expertly for ESPN. You hear him on ESPN 1000 in Chicago, our sister station. He is back from Florida, I can only assume, and I'm not sure if he's well-rested or not, but... Jesse's got a lot of work to do, and he's been doing incredible work following this story that is Major League Baseball. Greetings, Jesse. Good evening. Yeah, I'm back. Uh, you're right, a little tired, but, you know, um, hopefully this thing comes to an end soon and we can just watch games instead of staying up all night and watching labor stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, want to, I want you to take me back to what your night was like on Monday because we knew it was a long meeting. It, it extended past business hours. And I was following you on Twitter, and it, it seems like you were in for the long haul just in case something broke. I mean, what's that like for you? All of a sudden, you're up to the wee hours of the morning, and there's really no difference from what happened at the start of the day. Yeah, I mean, you know, as it played out on Monday, it, what went through my mind was, okay, this was all very predictable. All the way to the deadline, everybody talks tough, and then they, they figure it out. And I thought that's what, what was going to happen when you know the clock hit midnight and one and two, and I'm I'm actually taping these Sports Center reports, you know, every time with a little nuanced difference, and then thinking the last one's going to be they they announce a deal or at least very soon Tuesday morning. I really thought it was going to happen at that point, uh, and then things changed and it didn't happen, and um, I was a little surprised. But when, by the time I woke up Tuesday and got there again it it was just a different feeling to it the union was sort of tamping down on all the expectations and um yeah they made progress but they kind of halted at that point so um you know up until that moment it was all very predictable a lot of theater for the week and then you really get down to brass tacks grinding it out and thinking maybe it'll get a deal done uh but didn't happen i was a little surprised by it but um you know both both sides have some strategies that might come into question i don't think either side has been perfect in its negotiating tactics and uh this is where we end up you know with games canceled at least so far and and no deal just yet jesse is your level of surprise stemming from what has happened in years past uh, namely 2016 where the players accepted an agreement that just I mean, it wasn't favorable to them did did you think that was just going to happen again that they would ultimately cave at the end I wouldn't say cave because if, if if they stood up there in a press conference on Tuesday and to the average fan they rattled off everything they got, it would sound impressive. First time in decades, no draft pick uh, compensation for a free agent. That's actually pretty big. First time ever, a pre-arbitration bonus pool So uh, and uh, a year of service time for the rookie of the year. So the next Chris Bryant, who wins the Rookie of the Year coming up in late April, gets a bonus and he gets a, serv- a year of service time. That's never happened before. Um, uh, what else? Uh, lottery draft to help taking, service time manipulation. Like there are wins along the way that sound good. Just wasn't enough because of the CBT. So that was the big thing there. So I, I, don't, I didn't think they'd cave. I thought, okay, they're making progress. Now the, 
the hardest part is to come, the CBT. I thought maybe they'd get up Tuesday morning and, and hammer that out, but it just didn't happen. You know, there's countless examples, and I think the Brewers roster is a, a microcosm of one of the issues the players has. And, and I guess if you're a fan or you do shows like I do, and you start looking at who the Brewers have under control and, you know, how a small market team can thrive, you know, I feel like for, you know, like a three-year stretch of time, I'm looking at Josh Hader, the most dominant closer in baseball, saying, man, he's only making between five and $600,000 a year, right? Like that... Is that part of what the players are fighting for here as well? I mean, here's Hader, a multi-time All-Star, and now he's finally in the arbitration world, so the, the, the pay increase starts to reflect his abilities. But even Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, I mean, their salaries were defined by hundreds of thousands instead of millions at a point where they were outperforming those who were making significantly more money. Yeah, and, no, those are two good, two, two good examples of why younger players should be paid more. Now, the league was really holding up Corbin Burns as an example. Under their new system, he would have gone from what was he at seven, eight hundred thousand, something like that. He would have gone from that to two point four million um, under their bonus. So they they viewed that as okay. Look, we're we're, we're making this happen. And Hater's even better example because um, the way pitchers are being used now, like there's a lot of people that think Hater's best days are behind him already. Not to say he's not really good. But he may not be as good as he's been these first few years, the way he's been used and relievers. So shouldn't he have been paid when he was at his best? And so that's the, the legitimate argument by, by um, the players. And the, union, I mean, the league thinks they've addressed that in a matter of speaking with these bonus pools and these extra years of service, you know, service time and things like that. The union just doesn't think it's enough. So it's really a, um, a, a function of what's enough. Right? What's enough? The league is moving in the union's direction. The things I mentioned, but is it enough? Is it, does it reflect the revenues? And obviously, the union doesn't think so. ESPN's Jesse Rogers joining us on Brewers Weekly. Thanks for being part of the program here on a Thursday night. So, walk me through what happened today. I know everybody's back in New York. It's no more about Florida and uh, everything that happened down there. What happened today? There was a meeting of sorts. Yeah. So it's interesting because down in Florida, like I said, there was a lot of theater, which was great for the media. Like there's people leaking things on both sides, dramatic deadline, dec- you know, de- um, de- declarative statements. So a deadline is a deadline. Missed games are missed games. It was very dramatic. And I think that was part of the, the act. Um, and that's why I still thought on that Sunday, Monday, there was a chance because I thought the drama would cease. It didn't really cease. Today, maybe the drama has ceased. They're back in New York. There's no media around. There's four people in a room. Not a lot of leaks. Now, not a lot got done, but um, not a lot of leaks out of that room. What I'm told is it's the union's turn to come back to the league with an offer or with an adjustment. The league made the last one. That's usually how it works, back and forth. And so I think in short order, I believe there was a player's phone call tonight, conference call. Not sure how many were on it. Was it player reps? Was it more than that? And the union should come back in short order with um, something. Now, there's a chance they might go out to Arizona and do the whole dog and pony show again with players out there. I mean, the union strength is their players. But the most that got done was when it was down to Andrew Miller and Max Scherzer in the room with the negotiators. And, you know, with the lawyers, obviously. Um, Nothing got done early in the week when there were 20 players in there. So, you know, if you're a baseball fan, you kind of want them to stay in New York, stay in small groups, 
keep the media out of there, keep the leaks to a minimum, and see if you can hammer something out. So um, I don't know what's going to happen next big picture, but I know that the union is going to respond to the league in, in some manner, maybe as soon as tomorrow. Do you have a level of optimism that a deal ends up getting done here mid-month, before the end of the March? What are you thinking? I, I do. I do. I think mid-month is a good sort of uh, over-under. And that's 12 days from now. It would be mid-month, March 15th, right? Uh, I think I think it's done by March 15th. Now, there's all sorts of rumors. I mean, I think the PR game by the players has been incredible. The league has taken a, a, a huge hit PR-wise, mostly probably because Manfred being the face, nobody likes him, right? But I think... I think as many games as you might think the league is playing, I think it's possible the union's playing as many. And I'm talking about, oh, we're willing to sit out April. First of all, not every owner wants to sit out April. I think a few don't mind it and all might be willing to to get a better deal. But just to sort of make a blanket statement, they don't care about April. Well, that's not true. Uh, but on the same to- in the same token, they do care about May, June, and July. I tweeted this today. So the players also know that. So it might help the players out to wait out as long, wait this thing out as long as they can and put the pressure on the owners. So it works both ways. If, if the owners think they might miss games in May, maybe they'll cave. Certainly the players losing paychecks could lead to them caving. So it's a, it's a big cat and mouse game, game of chicken, so to speak. Who's going to blink first? Um, I think, both will come to their senses in the next two weeks, if not sooner. That's that's my opinion. If it's longer than that, then it could be months. That's the way I look at it. I mean, it's got to happen soon. If, if not, it, we could be out a while. Okay, you make an interesting point about the players and, you know, saying, fine, we'll, we'll sit out as school's letting out, more families are attending the ballpark, and attendance ramps up and so on, like we see it every year. I, I, I want to clear up a misconception because I get a lot of responses or people wondering, if it's if the well is just shut off, are players getting paid anything? Does does the association have the ability to line player pockets, and I mean all players, to any degree throughout this process? The answer is yes. Um, on February first, players got five thousand dollars for the month of February. On March first, players got five thousand dollars. On April first, it'll be fifteen thousand. Now, not every player asks for the money and they shouldn't because there's not enough money to go around if, if every single player did it for every month. If you're one of the rich players, you don't need the 5,000 in February or March or even April. So you can apply for it if you're a player. Now any player can apply for it and there might be some millionaires that do, but the, the goal is to take care of the, the, the younger guys, the zero to three guys. Um, you mentioned Yelich at the top of the show. I hope he's not applying for the $5,000 in March. So the less the less people apply for it, the more is there for those that really need it. So the answer is yes. It's not um, in, you know it's not an endless um, ATM machine, but um, they, they for the near future, starting in April, fifteen thousand dollars a month. And that's not even that much if you're used to a uh, a greater lifestyle, you know, a more expensive lifestyle. But it certainly is helpful for the young players. You brought up something interesting about Rob Manfred, who has suddenly become the most hated commissioner in all of sports. Uh, I didn't think anybody could outseat Roger Goodell, but here we are. Um, but he's a puppet for the owners, right? I mean, he he, he works for the owners. I, I know people in Milwaukee 
Very much appreciate Mark Atanasio and what he's done for baseball in Milwaukee, keeping baseball here, and everything he's put into this organization. The New Spring Training Complex is gorgeous in Arizona, and it's all Brewers all the time. He has been remarkable for the Milwaukee Brewers. I, I, I can't help but wonder if Atanasio is among those owners who is saying, can we just get going, please? Like, like I, can't, I can't picture him pounding his finger or hand on a table saying, hold out, we need a better deal for us. And I don't know if it's a small market, big market thing. I don't know if it's because I have a personal relationship with him and just feel like he's just a really solid guy. I just I have a hard time picturing the Brewers' owner in that scenario, which leads me to wonder how many owners are saying, no, let's just go, this is okay, and how many are saying, no, we need to hold out for a better deal. Yeah, I don't want to say anything bad, but don't underestimate billionaires and uh, how they how they act. I actually think Milwaukee, not in a uh, – let me make sure I state this the right way. This is about the CBT, a lot of this fight, right? Raising the CBT. If you raise the CBT, teams like the Yankees and certainly the Dodgers and other big market teams will spend all the way up to it if not over, but certainly up to it. That hurts teams like Milwaukee and St. Louis who want to win. And I do, I give your owner credit. He wants to win. But I do believe he's probably one of the people voting against any sort of raise in the CBT because he's competitive, because he can't compete with the Yankees and the Dodgers for players if they keep raising the CBT because they'll spend right up to it, if not past it, but certainly up to it. The Brewers won't spend up to it if it keeps going up and up. So it's because he wants to win that he probably is voting against the deal, maybe as is and will be if they keep raising the CBT. See what I mean? No, I think it's a really interesting point. And do you believe this is the final hurdle? Like, you know, every once in a while we get a nugget about, you know, the DH or, you know, baseball wants a pitch clock. And, like, None of this is about the DH or pitch clock, and, and those will you know, change the way the game is played to some degree, but it, is the CBT the final element that really needs to be you know, collectively bargained between these two parties? Absolutely. Yep, that's the big one. Now, that, that, now that's not to say if it moves in one direction or, or the other, it doesn't impact one of the other issues. Like things are tied, um, you know, just throwing this out there, like, if you raise the CBT really high, maybe you lower the the minimum because it is, it's all a game, right? It's all a puzzle. Sure. Maybe if you raise the minimum, you lower the CBT. So it's like, remember the uh, initial offer by the league? They wanted to offer a $100 million floor, but on the other end, they made the CBT 180. So there's always a give and take. But the bottom line is, yes, that's the big fight, and it's between really owners among themselves, but also owners and players as well. But you have to think about it this way. The big market teams are kind of aligned with the players. They like the idea of the CBT going up because they'd rather pay a player than a tax. And then, of course, there's years where you don't have to spend all the way up to the CBT anyway. So it's, it's, it's a complicated. There's layers to it. And, it. and, yes, the players are sometimes caught in the middle of this big market versus small market owner thing that goes on. But you know what? On the other hand, the players re- you know, flatly reject a hard cap and floor, so this is what you end up with. 
um, this internal fight that the players are in the middle of as well. So, like I said, it's complicated. But, yeah, if they, if they can come to agreement on the CBT, everything else will fall in line. And, Jesse, what's the latest about next week? Do, do we anticipate meetings to begin on Monday? Is there going to be some, some lag time here? No, I, I, think, I think, I mean, they talk today. I think they'll talk tomorrow in some capacity. Maybe, um, you know, I don't, I don't know, you could call it a bargaining session or a meet. You know, it just depends. I think at some point the union in the next couple of days will respond in some way to the league's last offer. I don't know why the – I mean, if anything, you know, again, if both sides are playing some delay game even now, then shame on them. But barring some strategic delay, there's no reason the union shouldn't move quickly um, uh, waiting till Monday. The, the weekends don't matter in this situation. Trust me, I just went through 10 days, two weekends. That doesn't matter. You negotiate when you can negotiate. Everyone's exhausted, um, but you got to get this done. You have to get this done. Spring training, workers, stadium work. I mean, all this is at stake, and so waiting is is not an option. Bucks, Bulls tomorrow night in Chicago. Dare I ask who you're taking? I'm taking tickets if uh, Good Karma Brands could um, hook me up. Uh, I haven't seen a game in two weeks because of this stuff. And it is my birthday tomorrow, so um, is that Craig, right? If you're listening, <laughs> yeah, Craig. If you're listening, I take two uh, center court. So, uh, Jesse, I, I did not know this, and, and I've had yeah. you as a guest many a time. We share the same birthday. It is also my birthday tomorrow. Wow! How about that? I'm well, so here I'm we older, go. So I'm now I tell everybody I'm younger. Uh, <laughs> It, that's fine. I, uh, I am, uh, let's see here, I am Hank Aaron tomorrow. That is my Hank Aaron birthday tomorrow. Uh, well, maybe we, maybe we should just you know, hop on a text together to our founder and CEO of Good Karma Brands and say, look, it's a package deal, and we'll just hope baseball doesn't get a deal done between, let's say, I don't know, 6.30 and 11 tomorrow. We just hold off for those you know, four and a half hours and you know, let Jesse and Greg enjoy a beer at center court watching a good ball game. I would love that. Even if they make a deal in baseball, I'd ignore it, you know? Let's go watch the boys <laughs> on the birthday. I'll leave my kids at home. We were supposed to go to dinner. I'll, I'll blow them off for, for, for a game with you anytime. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Well, Jesse, I, I texted you earlier today and said, hey, can I borrow five to seven minutes of your time? And here we are 25 minutes later. And uh, it's just I appreciate your knowledge and your tireless efforts on this story. It's It's been remarkable to follow. And, you know, the, the baseball world is doing it through you and, and Jeff Passon, so I, I appreciate all your yeah. hard work and time tonight as well. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, it's, it's been a wild ride. And let me say this, you may not like, you know, billionaire owners that much. I'm talking about the listening public and players. But the, the negotiators that I've gotten to know through this, they, they want a deal. I mean, obviously they want to get the best deals for their sides. But these are people that want baseball back. So it's not all, you know, evil people dealing with this like everybody wants baseball back these are these are businesses that employ a lot of people the players want to play it's just that there's a lot at stake you know it's it's there's a lot at stake players have small um small careers and you know owners are going to be owners and so there's a lot at stake you just gotta ride this thing out hopefully we're better on the other side of it well, I hope so, too. Jesse, thanks so much for your time. Happiest of birthdays to you. Enjoy the time with your family, and hopefully a deal gets done here before too long. Happy birthday to you as well, and uh, anytime. Talk to you soon.
Yeah, take care. Jesse Rogers of ESPN. Just incredible work, man. It's been interesting to follow his work. I think we're all hitting the refresh button, waiting for a deal to be done or a deal to be announced. Leaked through one of the parties that baseball is on the horizon. Here's a date, a report date, a opening day date. When will opening day in Milwaukee be? Well, it won't be any earlier than April 14th. We know that as uh, the first week of the season has been canceled, which unfortunately means six home games are off the schedule for the Milwaukee Brewers. That indeed is frustrating. We are very late for a break. We will step aside. When we come back, I do want to see if we can figure this out. Is there a way we can establish an all-time Brewers lineup? I'll tell you the influence behind the discussion, the inspiration behind the discussion. We'll do it after this. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. It's a big cat and mouse game, game of chicken, so to speak. Who's going to blink first? Um, I think both will come to their senses in the next two weeks, if not sooner. That's that's my opinion. If it's longer than that, then it could be months. Yeah, a sense of optimism from Jesse Rogers. If you missed the interview, incredible stuff. Great information from Jesse. He's been on this story really from the start. Spent about a week and a half in Florida presiding over the meetings. He's just been a part of the fabric of this story uh, for the last, I don't know, several months really uh, as it was on the horizon that this day could be coming several months ago. In fact, during the course of the regular season a season ago. If you missed the interview, check it out on the podcast page, 620WTMJ.com, over through the WTMJ mobile app. Very impressive stuff. Great interview. Uh, Always good to talk to Jesse Rogers. All right, now it's time to talk to you. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's my challenge to you. I need you to provide me two names, and we cannot have duplicate names, right? But we can amass a list. We are trying to figure out and determine an all-time Brewers roster. And we'll start it today. We might finish it today. I'm really not sure. But can we identify a catcher, a first baseman, a second baseman, a shortstop, a third baseman, three outfielders? Can we identify a starting pitching staff? And I'd say a few members of the bullpen, three, maybe four, right, in the age of specialization. Maybe it's a setup man, a long relief guy, a closer, who knows? I'm flexible with that. But can we identify the best of the best in Brewers franchise history? Now, you can apply whatever criteria you want. If a player was incredibly dominant, but only in Milwaukee for a portion of a season, or maybe a full season, or maybe 10 years, that's up to you, right? CeCe Sabathia was incredible, one of the most dominant pitchers in Brewers history, but his time in Milwaukee only lasted a, a period of weeks, Really? Would you have him on the list? Or Trevor Hoffman, great example. One of the best closers in Major League Baseball history. If you look at his numbers, longevity, unparalleled, aside of Mariano Rivera. Incredible. When he was with the Brewers, he was pretty good, but he was clearly on the back end of his career. Would you have him on this all-time list? That's for you to decide. 855-616-1620. Here's the only rule. When you call in, you provide two names. Who has to be on this team? Who must be on this team? And if caller number one and caller number two have similar players, caller number two, I'm going to ask you to find me two different players. No duplications. 855-616-1620. So 
where did I come up with this idea? So I, I am on Facebook. I admittedly don't do a lot on Facebook, and that is by design, but nonetheless. So scrolling through, a Facebook memory popped up on my feed, and it was from 2009. 2009, right? So this is a minute ago. And there was a publication that identified an all-time Brewers roster based upon Milwaukee Brewers history leading up to and through the 2009 season. right? So there was no Christian Yelich. There was no Josh Hader. So this looks incredibly different than it might look today, 2022. Dare I read off some of the names, Greg Hill, on this list? The 2009 all-time Brewers team, as compiled by this uh, publication. Are you ready for this? Yeah, bring us back. All right, we'll do it coming up on the other side. We took up so much time with Jesse. I want to make sure we get a little bit on the clock. But I also want to line up calls here at 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Who has to be on this team? Who must be on this team? And I've got the 2009 list in front of me. All-time Milwaukee Brewers team, 2009. Think about it. More Brewers Weekly after this. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. If you'd like to join us here, trying to piece together an all-time Brewers lineup on the program. Greg Matzikin from Matt Pauley. Two thousand nine. There was a publication that tried to piece together an all-time Brewers lineup, um, and it was inclusive of pitching. And I, for whatever reason, I had shared this on my Facebook page. So it popped up as a Facebook memory uh, about a week and a half ago. And I thought, well, this would be kind of interesting. Let's go through the names and you know, just try and figure out how many of the names on this 2009 list would be on the roster today, 2022. So I'll go through the names. And some of these are, well, you'd expect to see on the list. Others you may have forgotten about. Should we go through it, Greg? Are you ready? Uh, Catcher is a very interesting one. Who who is the best catcher in Brewers history? Who is the all-time Brewers catcher? In 2009, the name on the list is B.J. Serhoff. Now, I know people are maybe rolling their eyes, but I feel like like people forget just how good B.J. Serhoff really was because he had a nice start to his career in Milwaukee, and then it really took off in Baltimore. He became an all-star in 1999. But this dude was like the first overall pick, came to the Brewers in 1987. And he hit near 300 as a rookie in 1987. And he lasted a minute in Milwaukee, came to the Brewers in 1987. He left the Brewers in 1995. That's right, he was there that long. And then his career continued to 2005. B.J. Serhoff played 19 years, 19 years in Major League Baseball, and is a career 282 hitter. His numbers were solid as a member of the Brewers, and then he got paid, and his career continued, and he wasn't catching all that time. He kind of moved to other spots, but B.J. Serhoff is the name in 2009. The only other names that I would consider on that list are Jonathan Lucroy and Ted Simmons. Neither had the longevity that B.J. Serhoff did. Simmons, of course, was a, a trade piece. 
the bulk of his career was played in St. Louis, and then he was only 31 when he came to Milwaukee, but uh, his career started to taper off a little bit. Jonathan Lucroy, on the other hand, like Siroff, started his career with the Brewers, but he was only with the Brewers from 2010 to 2015. Uh, 2016 to be exact. It felt like longer than that with Luke, but nonetheless, I think Serhoff probably stays on that list. I get it. Ted Simmons is a Hall of Famer, but was he a Hall of Famer based upon what he did with the Brewers or more so as a member of the St. Louis Cardinals? As an all-time Brewer, I'm going to lean toward B.J. Serhoff. As much as I like Jonathan Lucroy and as much as I appreciate what Ted Simmons did. So I think they got it right in 2009. I think B.J. Serhoff holds today. First base in 2009, they go with Cecil Cooper. The only other names I would put in that list are George Scott, a multi-time gold glover, Prince Fielder. If you want a dark horse selection, you could go with Richie Sexton. I know Greg Hill's favorite player. Second base, Jim Gantner. Shortstop, Robin Yount. Third base, Paul Molitor. I don't know that anybody else would really be included in conversation of best ever. Maybe Ricky Weeks, because he had the pop that Gantner did not. But Gantner had the batting average and was a better infielder. Robin Yount, yeah, I mean, J.J. Hardy was nice. Gene Segura was nice. Willie Adamas is a hell of a player. This belongs to Robin Yount pretty far and away. Paul Molitor, yeah, there's some competition there, but nobody even comes close to Paul Molitor. Don Money, Jeff Cirillo, outstanding members of the Milwaukee Brewers. Paul Molitor is the answer to the question. The best third baseman to ever play in a Brewers uniform, and he's got the Hall of Fame stats to back it up. We'll get to the outfield coming up on the other side as we wrap up the program. We might have to continue this on a different program. We may not have time for pitching staff, but it is kind of an interesting look back into Brewers history. More after this as we wrap up Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Running a little short on time here on a Thursday night, Brewers Weekly. Hopefully by next week we will have a better understanding of where baseball stands and when might activity pick up in Arizona and ultimately here in Milwaukee. The uh, all-time outfield back in 2009, according to my Facebook feed and Facebook memory, Ben Ogilvy, Gorman Thomas, and Jeff Jenkins. And the DH was Jeremy Burnett, who was also uh, an outfielder. Uh, yeah, there's more names I think you would add to that list. You might even include Carlos Gomez, Lorenzo Cain, certainly Ryan Braun, Christian Yelich, and, and I would say even Greg Vaughn, who had a, a nice career with the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Ogilvy, Thomas, Jenkins, nothing wrong with that. I get it, but more need to be included. I don't think that's the lineup you're going with in the outfield if you're talking about all-time Brewers, and you include years from 2009 to 2022. Pitching staff, well, this leaves a little to be desired, but Teddy Higuera, yes, he was a Cy Young Award runner-up in 1986. Brewers paid him a bunch of money after an injury, and things just sort of flamed out from there. Mike Caldwell had 23 complete games in one season pitching for the Brewers. Pete Vukovic, Ben Sheets, Jim Slayton to round out the five. That would look different, I think, as well if you incorporate what happened most recently with guys like Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, even Freddie Peralta is kind of a swing guy in that discussion. And as I talked about at the start of the segment, CC Sabathia. Wasn't with the Brewers very long, but was certainly dominant when he was here. They also have Dan Plesak and Raleigh Fingers as part of the bullpen. It's an interesting discussion. We'll keep kind of picking away at this as we continue Brewers Weeklies uh, throughout the offseason, which hopefully turns into the regular season 
before too long. If you missed any of our show, check it out online, WTMJ.com. Find the podcast page or access it via the WTMJ mobile app. And definitely listen to the interview with Jesse Rogers from earlier tonight. Incredible stuff from Jesse as he covers what is going on with Major League Baseball. The news is next on WTMJ.